0: Matthew chapter 5 and verse 31, if you would, Matthew chapter 5, and uh, as we said before, uh, Jesus introduced his sermon and the topics he would cover, and then he goes through and he covers them. And if we really want to understand this thing of meekness, excuse me, what it is and what it isn't, uh, we're just going to start here in, in verse uh, 31. It says, And it hath been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whoso shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. And again... Ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but thou shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. He hath heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor, and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you that ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them that love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even at the publicans so. Be ye therefore perfect as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect and as we read through this this passage here this is probably the most misunderstood part of of the Sermon on the Mount and yet if we will just put this in the context of blessed are the meek and by the way uh, as as I've been preparing these sermons he spends more time on blessed are the meek than Almost all of, than any of the others. And uh, it just may be that that's the one we have the biggest problem with. What do you think? Uh, and the idea here is the first, and we covered this uh, last Sunday night about divorce. You know, you are not to seek your own in a marriage. That's uh, one of the greatest problems that that we have in marriage is people get married saying, this is going to solve all my problems. He's going to be my knight in shining armor and protect me and take care of me and do everything I want him to do. Or she is going to be this and that and everything else. And people are unfulfilled. Why? Because they're wanting and expecting instead of giving. See... Jesus wasn't kidding when he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. And if you set up the, uh, your marriage, your relationship, and I put here, there's an application here to other relationships as well. Uh, most of us have met people over the year who want to be a friend because of what we can do for them. Right? Uh, somebody wants to take advantage of you and... And the Bible says that that's not the reason we love and care for other people. That's not why God loves and cares for us. Amen. He, he loves and cares for us because he is good. And so we move into the next section here. And it says, uh, again, you have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself. Now, that word forswear is one of those words that we do not use in modern English. And, and so, uh, again, this is the ninth commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. The word forswear means to abandon or renounce on an oath or in a manner deemed irrevocable. To deny or repudiate on an oath with strong assertion. And... Uh, so, the idea here is that the Bible says we're not to forswear ourselves. We're not to say, I give you my word that I will, and then say, I never said that. And uh, we, as we go through here, Jesus gives some examples. He says, I tell you to swear not at all. The overall context here is, but thou shalt perform unto the Lord... Thine oaths, this is primarily talking about promises to God that people would make. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And uh, one of the just side issues here is often when people make a promise to God, it's because they're trying to get God to do something for them. I'll be in church every Sunday. I won't miss a Sunday this whole year. God, if you'll only help me, fill in the blank. God is not into let's make a deal. That's not meekness. Meekness is not, I mean, uh, buttering someone up and trying to manipulate them to do what you want. And so as we follow this through here, he says that we're not supposed to swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool. And neither shalt thou swear by thy head because thou canst not make one hair white or black. You know, there used to be a time in this country where your communication, your, it was, your word was your bond. You could walk into a bank, uh, especially in the Midwest. There were a lot of farmers out there and many farmers would literally uh, borrow money to buy the the seed or sometimes equipment that they needed. And then they would pay that loan off at the harvest when they brought in the crops. And so the farmer would walk into the bank and there would be the president of the bank sitting behind his thing and he'd go, hey, Joe, and, uh, hey hey, Fred, how are you? And said, I need to borrow a certain amount of money, and they would shake hands. The banker would hand them the money, and that would be the end of the deal. Most of you uh, have heard the story, but we had uh, a mortgage with the uh, synagogue, and they carried that mortgage for two years. And the third year, we, we borrowed the money through our then insurance company to pay off the synagogue, and then we would make monthly payments rather than one big payment of two hundred thousand. That was a, uh, uh, getting a little steep there, and uh, we we did that, but the paperwork to for the insurance company to assume it was over a hundred pages. Our lawyer finally said, "Listen, he says, "I cannot charge you." What this is costing me. This this is insane, the amount of paperwork that is required just for an assumption of a mortgage. In fact, the, our little joke was, a lot of churches, when you pay off the mortgage, you burn the note. And, and we couldn't do that because we'd have to have a permit from the fire department to get it done. And uh, just too much paper. Uh, it's, it's crazy. And why is it that way? It's because people don't keep their word. What is a contract? Often people say, well, I'm going to give this contract. It's going to protect your rights. And you read on there somewhere, you don't have any rights. You're signing, oh, you know, the, the guy giving you the contract is the one that's protecting himself or herself or their company. Uh, it's, it's not protecting you. And we it would be wonderful to get back to a world where your communication was yes and no. Not going to happen. Because we're not going to be able to go out there and clean up all the foolishness that's in the world. But let me ask you a question, dear Christian. Shouldn't that still be true of those that serve the Lord Jesus Christ? Shouldn't our word be our bond shouldn't it be trustworthy and yet here let's uh let's turn to matthew chapter 23 and jesus is matthew 23 is actually during the week that jesus goes to the cross but he's arguing there with the with the um pharisees and sadducees and the lawyers and and uh we come to verse 16, it says, Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is debtor. Now, you have to understand this is one of the reasons we're doing this, is we want to get an historical and cultural setting. You see, the Jews, Jewish people have historically been known as the best businessman in history. Isn't that correct? Uh, they, I mean, they ended up literally owning medieval Europe, all because of one thing. Uh, the Pope said that the Jews could loan money with interest, and nobody else could. And so kings needed money. They went to the Jewish people, borrowed it. When you borrow money with interest, you make a lot of money. Uh, you heard the banking family, the Rothschilds, and all of the; those things were built during the the Middle Ages. And here we have one of the things that was going on here. You see, the if you were the salesman, you'd say, "I swear by the Temple in Jerusalem that this beautiful little car here was just driven by a little old lady to synagogue on Sabbath." And he'd been in there and flipped the odometer two or three times. It had 300,000 miles on it. It was on its last leg and you paid a good price for it and got a piece of junk. And he'd say, listen, I, I didn't do, I just swore by the temple that I don't have to keep my word. But if I swear by the gold of the temple, oh, well, then that, that will cause me to transgress. I'll tell you the truth then. How many of you like dealing with people like that? I'll tell you what, nobody does. And so Jesus here, He's saying, don't, don't get into this game where you're playing games with the truth, where the truth is a tool for you to manipulate others and get what you want. We, we live in a world where people are always trying to take something from someone else try and see that's not what meekness is blessed are the meek for they shall what inherit the earth guess what what Jesus is trying to help us understand is that we're not to seek our own with our words we should not have to play games with truthfulness, and we should never, ever, as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, being accused of cheating and lying to get gain to ourselves. You see, meekness is not seeking my own. Meekness is seeking what God would have for me. Ultimately, it is operating under the authority of someone else, it is following the Lord, and our words ought to be honest. Uh, what? Let's see, American history in five sentences or so. George Washington, I cannot tell a lie. Richard Nixon, I cannot tell the truth. And uh, President uh, Bill Clinton, I can't tell the difference. And our former Obama, I plain don't care. That's American history. And what we need to understand is that just because everybody else is out there does not give us as Christians a right to use our words to get what we want. What we're supposed to do is seek the Lord Jesus Christ and His goodness in our communication With those that we meet in this world. Uh, You cannot, if you cannot prove your word by who you are, then you've lost the battle. And what we need to do is be careful with our word. Then we come to this next one. Verse 38 Verses 38 through 42, you have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And, of course, that is in the Bible in Exodus 21, Leviticus 24, and Deuteronomy 19, uh, 21. There is a right of redress, and uh, yet when I get saved, what do I do? I surrender my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, don't I? How many times have you caught yourself saying, "I only want what's fair." Can I ask you a question? What is fair? Fair is somebody trips their trips and breaks a leg coming into the church, so we're going to break everybody's leg. That would be fair, right? This idea that would be, wouldn't it? This idea of fairness is one of the great cloaks that communism and other people have used over the years to try to destroy the freedoms that God has given us here in the United States. And even Bill Gates is smart enough to figure out what is undeniable rules of life. Number Rule number one, life isn't fair. Get over it. Uh, if Bill Gates is smart enough to figure that out, shouldn't we as Christians be smart enough to figure that out? And by the way... How many people do you know that have spent their whole life trying to straighten out something? Some of you may remember this. Years ago, uh, about ten years ago, they were building these houses back here behind us. Got out a pile driver and cracked some of our windows. Our chandeliers were swinging like this. And so we called the insurance company and said, what are you going to do about it? And they sent out a very intelligent, I'm being absolutely sarcastic, and almost on the border of lying, this guy did not have enough sense to know his hat. And he said, well, if the bricks aren't falling out of the wall, there's really no damage. I said, sir, if the bricks were falling out of the wall, we'd have timbers, our, our roof trusses falling on the floor here. I said, there's, uh, they didn't shake the building that hard. And uh, I came before the church and I said, listen, the only way we're going to get something here is we're going to have to take these people to court and sue them. I said, I don't know that I can recommend that. And nobody in the church said, I, I don't know that we can do that. And uh, now in the next coming years, we're going to have to uh, raise some money and fix the windows. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather suffer the wrong then be known as the church that tries to sue everybody. You see, we're not trying to seek our own, and we're going to trust the Lord. If He provided to pay the money for the building, He'll provide the money to fix the windows. Amen. Uh, let's let's pray. Let's start praying about that. We need to get on that and get it done, and uh, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. Uh, We've got a few projects we have to do, but now we're chasing rabbits that we shouldn't be chasing here. But here is the point I'm trying to make. If we're going to be meek, we can't all the time be running around demanding our rights. Now, the best example of this is Paul and Silas. Acts chapter 16, city of Philippi. Remember the story? They were lied about. They were beaten unjustly. They were thrown into prison. And what was Paul's answer? Do you remember that? The next morning, after the jailer got saved, the earthquake had happened, and everything, and all of those events in that uh, unusual night. And the next morning, there comes a messenger from city hall says, "Let those guys go. We made a mistake." Do you remember what Paul did? Let us go. He said, we were Romans and we were beaten uh, illegally and, and punished. He said, you let the city council come and bring us out. Now, Paul was, did not say, I'm going to sue you all for injustice and I'm going to get... He didn't ask for retribution... But he did assert his rights as a freeborn Roman citizen, didn't he? How many of you remember what he did? The, 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 the uh, city council guys, their equivalent in the city of Philippi came and, and they uh, uh, apologized to Paul publicly and, and took him out of the prison. And where did he go? Lydia's house. You know what he was doing? He's saying, you remember this thing? He says, I am not going to uh, appeal to the Roman governor of the area, the tribunal, and get you guys all uh, severely punished and put in prison. But uh, I'm kind of expecting that uh, you're not going to be bothering Miss Lydia and the church that meets in her house either. Do you see the picture there? Jesus said, wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And yet, was Paul, were Paul and Silas seeking their own? Were they seeking retributions for the punishment that was un, or illegally uh, heaped upon them and the lies about them and their character? No. They didn't seek things for themselves, but they sought to use that event to protect the church. And you see, that is an operation of meekness. And and this is what the Bible means when it says, resist not evil. It's not the duty of the Christian to straighten out the world. What is the duty of the Christian? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall what? Be witnesses unto me, both in Judea and Samaria... And unto the uttermost part, that is the business of the Christian. Jesus is talking about the standard of righteousness here, and part of this is being meek. It's not seeking myself, it's seeking an opportunity to witness. There is so much evil in this world in which we live. Isn't that true? But where is the problem? I I remember reading an article where they were debating all this thing about sodomite marriage and all of this. And one of the uh, writers said, listen, the divorce rate in the Christian church is almost the same as it is in the world. So why are these people trying to say marriage is sacred for the Christians? Well, I don't think we've ever said marriage is sacred for the Christians. Uh, But what we have said is, only for the Christian or exclusively, God is the only one that has the right to define what marriage is. He is the creator of life and the inventor of the institution called marriage. But we, not, uh, not we, but many Christians have... Given the world an opportunity to accuse us by not treating marriage as we should. By demanding our rights and this and that. Resist not evil. Here's Life is not about fairness. It's about living for God. And that's the context here. It doesn't mean that you go walking down the street saying, hit me please. Hit me, please, and I'll give you the other one. You can hit me there. No, that's not what this is talking about. If someone takes you to court and sues you and wins a judgment against you, even in the Roman world, especially in the United States of America, isn't there a good probability that you did something wrong to bring that lawsuit on you? Now, we do have instances where people are just completely made up and completely lied about and sued. But most of the time, if somebody takes you to court and wins a judgment against you, you are doing something wrong. And the, that, that's the context of this passage. That's what it means. It says, let's settle this thing in a way that we're not going to bring retribution upon ourselves and keep this thing going. There are so many, so many times people get into some type of legal thing and then, well, I'm just not going to pay it. Well, wait a minute, that's not what Jesus said. And when it talks about borrowing and lending, you know, what we're supposed to do here is we're supposed to do good. You know, you see the homeless guy there. I've tried this on several occasions. Uh, and uh, they'll say, Oh, do you have some money? I said, Are you hungry? Oh, yeah. Can you give me some money to buy food? No. What would you like? I said, there, There's a pizza place right here. I'll get you a slice of... Oh, I don't want that. Well, then you're not very hungry, are you? You see... We're not under an obligation to give people money to buy drugs and alcohol and to destroy themselves. That's not what this passage is talking about, my friend. And there's been more than one person that's knocked the door and, and said, do, do, you, do you have any food? I said, No, we do not keep. And this is one of the reasons we don't keep a, a little cupboard full of food. Is because we're, we're just not here. That's not our main purpose. I said, now listen, I've got some food upstairs. I said, uh, we always have peanut butter and jelly. Uh, and uh, whatever else might be. And I, I've offered people things. And I said, now listen, I'll make you some food, get you a glass of milk. and But if I'm going to make you some food, I'm going to take advantage of the opportunity here. And I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Uh, uh, you know, I, I really don't want that. I said, okay, well then you... Go somewhere else and get your help. You see, we need to do good. That's, that's what meekness is, isn't it? It's helping someone. It's not seeking your own. It's seeking the best for that person. And we come down here to the end of this chapter... And God is going to give himself. Jesus is going to give God the Father as the example of meekness. And he says, "Ye have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. You know, I've tried to find the verse in the Bible where God says, hate your enemies. But there isn't one there. So where did this come from? the tradition of the scribes and the elders. Hate is a natural response. Now, I don't necessarily recommend studying this part of World War II history, but our government had a special propaganda office whose primary job was developing hatred and animosity toward the Nazi regime and toward the Japanese people as we were waging war with them. I mean even Bugs Bunny made cartoons mocking Adolf Hitler and and uh, other things like that and uh, the enemies there and but here's what the Bible says But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them that despitefully, which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven, for he maketh his sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Aren't you glad that God is not specific in his blessings? He has a set of general blessings that goes to all people that live on this earth. Rain, sunshine, warmth, all of those things. You do not have to be saved to have your crops grow. Uh, that's, That's a good thing. And God is good. And he's giving us an illustration. And this is what meekness is. It is doing good, even when people want to give you evil in return. And we have the example here, Jesus then reprimands them. It says, if you only love people that love you, he says, the publicans. The traitors, the ones that have betrayed our people, the Jewish people, to the Romans, they do the same thing. You know why the publicans only greeted other publicans? Because nobody else had talked to them. And we, we need to show the world the love of God. Verse 48, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. You know what? For God so loved, what? The world. Are are we not supposed to love this world in which we live? Not the things of the world, not the mammon of the world, not the world system, not trying to get ahead. But we are to love the people in, in which we live. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 for a moment and then we'll we'll jump to 1 John and we'll be done. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17, a verse we know well. Therefore if any man be in Christ, what? He is a new creature. Old things are passed away; behold, all things are become new. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you, and Christ said, be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The reason Jesus died on the cross was so that no man, woman, or child would have an excuse to go to hell. It's one of the reasons uh, I despise Calvinistic theology, Calvinism. is because the Calvinist has an excuse to go to hell. God made me. I'm just not one of the elect. Well, the Bible here says that Jesus was made sin for us. Now, be careful. Jesus didn't become a sinner. He became the sacrifice for sin. That's exactly what God told Cain. He said, Behold, sin lieth at the door. It's not this idea that temptation is hiding at the door or you walk out. No, it's one of Abel's lambs was right there. All he had to do was go get one of Abel's lambs and offer it instead of his own works. And God would have accepted Cain. And the world in which we live, we need to take the gospel too. Let's go to first. John chapter 4, and we'll just make one connection here. This idea of being perfect. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, So are we in this world. Because as he is. Now, I I will tell you for the longest time, that just kind of eluded me in really understanding what was being said there. But what this is saying, as God is, we have the ministry of reconciliation. We have his message In this world, Jesus put it this way, be ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. We are the representatives of the God of heaven. Why do you think the Jehovah's Witnesses call themselves Jehovah's Witnesses and not Jehovah's Sicknesses, which they really are? Uh, Because they claim to be the witness. The Pope has a building right here in New York City. It's called the Embassy of the Holy See to the United Nations. And the word see is capital S-E-E which means the all-seeing one. It's talking about God. The Pope claims that title for himself. And uh, I've never driven by. I don't want to see the sign. I really don't. It just gets my blood up every time I think about it. It just frustrates me. But you but let's go back to meekness. I can't straighten out the lies of everybody else. But if I'm going to be meek, number one, I'm going to stop seeking what I want from other people and pushing them out of the way when they don't give me what I want. That's what Jesus is talking about marriage. Meekness in my relationships with other people. I need to have meekness in my communication and in my word with other people. James chapter 3. The tongue is the only member of the body that no man can tame. If you can control your tongue, the Bible says that you have the religion that God wants us in, in seeking justice. Hey, it's not about my rights and what I need. It's about Jesus Christ and what it takes to serve Him. Amen? And we have the example of God the Father, who loved this world, even though the vast majority of human beings which He created have done nothing but spit in His face and blaspheme His holy name. Stun still comes up in the morning. And it's not because He wound up the place and let it go and He doesn't care. That's not the God of the Bible. He is watching and he is maintaining everything that is in this universe. You know, scientists still can't explain all of the things. If we were able to release the energy that holds the atoms together that make up this sheet of paper, there would be no more Astoria. Just praise God. This is an atomically stable substance. Amen? The power that is holding this universe together is the Lord Jesus Christ. One day he's going to let go. And it says the elements will melt with a fervent heat. It It is going to be the end of all things as we know it in the beginning of eternity future. And the meek are going to inherit the earth. Because they weren't seeking their own. They were seeking to be good, a good testimony for the Creator in the world in which He placed us. I don't know about you, but this this here has helped me more than anything else I've ever done to understand what meekness really is. And... If you'll remember correctly, these things build on one another. And, and we, we've got to get past this to get to the other things. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight, and Lord, we ask that you would work in our hearts and in our lives.